Good morning, church. So good to be with you. Come up, Audrey. We continue this morning in our series, Heroes of the Bible. And uh, this morning, I've asked uh, my good friend Audrey to share the word with us. Uh, Kenny and Audrey and Kylie are uh, really good friends of my wife and I. Um, we've known each other for, I think, over five years now. And um, I really love them very much, and I care about them. And um, so I believe that she's appointed and anointed for such a time as this. And so I commend uh, my friend Audrey to you. Would you give her a warm welcome? Just gratitude, you know, it's just gratitude. 
voice, when they blurt that out, means that they feel it's a combination of thank you, how nice of you to think of me, I really appreciate it, and awesome, all wrapped into one expression. It is meant to make the person that um, feel that something that they did was well received. But I gotta keep up with the times. I have teenagers in the house, a teenager in the house, I have three grandchildren. So I gotta keep up with the times, you know? Um, I mean, I'm not even getting old. <laughs> but I got a teenager in the house. And I gotta be cool. Sometimes, you know, back in the days, the slang term for cool was I gotta be hip, you know? I'm a lady of the 80s, so <laughs> that was my generation. That was my time. Today, to be in the cool, to be in the now, it's like you got to be on point. Or sometimes my daughter's like on peak. <laughs> so sometimes we look at each other like, how's my hair? Is it on peak? <laughs> That's today's generation. So we, we adapt you know, to their ways because we want to make a connection. You know, we want to be there for them. And in order to connect the generation, sometimes it means you even have to make a fool out of yourself. And let me give you an example of what goes on in our household. We like to sing. We like to dance. And when the right music comes on, <laughs> when the right song is played, we start busting out our moves. You know, Kylie, she owns it. You know, that girl can dance. You know, there is no challenge. And they're like, we like challenge. Because that's what we used to do back in the 80s with the pop. And at least I start busting out my moves and doing the prep and the cabbage patch. And then Kenny is like trying to do his robot and his little puppet dance. <laughs> it's hilarious, but you know, you gotta have fun. You know, you gotta have fun. You gotta live and have fun and be happy. My daughter is probably the only one in this room right now, not smiling. Probably saying, Mom, stop. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> okay, baby girl. Just for you, I'll stop. She knows her mom too well. She knows that I can get carried away when I'm in the moment. You know, so I better do it while I get I'm ahead. And I'll show you my news meeting next time. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get back to business. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I was talking about how this is the first time ever I've been asked to share a message. And it may be the last if I can't tame my nerves that's jumping all up inside of me. I mean, I feel like they're doing cartwheels and backflips inside of me, you know, and I just need to get it settled. It's not easy for me being up here, but there's a reason for the purpose. So with your beautiful smile and our engagement as one body of Christ, I know Because God has is reassured me and to you. In Philippians 4, 13, it reads, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Well, may this be my best day ever. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Let us pray together. Father, help us to calm our hearts and listen carefully Help us to listen carefully as we examine your word today, for you always have something to say to us. Please give us the ears to hear what your spirit is saying as we open your word. Bless this time 
we ask in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Okay. How did I get here? So, before I go on, I mentioned, he said this is, uh, I was, uh, heroes of the Bible, but I have to confess something. So, on December 13th, Pastor Thomas sent me a text, you know, and he told me in the text that he's doing a Heroes of the Bible sermon and wondered if I'd be willing to preach on May 7th. Today marks the day. From that time to now, he asked me if I could share one of my heroes. And my first reaction was like, uh-uh, this is not good. This is not good. God, what are you up to? I immediately felt a tug in my heart because God knew what I was thinking. I was, I wanted to say no to Pastor Thomas. Sorry, I'm being honest. Like, no. But I felt convicted. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to minister to me. If I was in my flesh, I was like, uh-uh, done deal, no can, no can do. But I seriously knew that I needed to pray about it. I needed to talk to my husband. I pray to God. But my husband, he's like my BFF, right? He's my best friend forever. And um, I go to him with all my problems. Even when he's my problem, I go to him. <laughs> but you know what, seriously though, I go to him because I know he's got my back. I know I can trust him. God bless me with good man, and I am grateful. So anyways, my mind started racing as I pondered on that text from Pastor Thomas. It started to bother me. Instead of talking to God, I was way, thinking way over, thinking way too hard. I was tr- thinking of an excuse. What I can tell Pastor Tom is why I couldn't do it. Seriously, I'm honest. and being honest. You see, I have stage fright issues. I do. You know there's a word for it? That word is called glossophobia. The fear of public speaking. Here I am. But I'd like to give you an example of that fear in one instance in experience in my life. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years, maybe I'm, um, my husband and one of our good friends, Dennis, put a band together. You know, they wanted to like get together and sing like the 70s, the 80s, you know, the early 90s. And they, they wanted female vocalists. So they asked me and Dennis's wife, Beverly, who is my beautiful sister in Christ. They now are in San Francisco. But they asked if we could sing with them. And Beverly was like, she had no problem. She's probably like Susan, like, yeah, sure. (laughs) They just get up there, they're so comfortable with the mic, and they just start singing, you know. But for me, it was different. It was different. It took me a while. You know, um, I resisted. I just, it was uncomfortable for me. Because I love to sing. sorry for him. So, I finally gave in, because I wanted to make my husband happy too, you know, and when you love somebody, you go above and beyond what you want to do, to please them, just like what God does for us. So, we all practice day in and day out, and whenever we could get together, the more we practiced, the better we sounded, the more comfortable I felt, it was all good, everything was going smooth, you know, until the dreaded call. Kenny got off the phone and he said, I 
right, we got a gig. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Automatically, everybody was excited. But for me, I was like, uh-uh, this is not good. It's probably the same reaction I had when I received Pastor Thomas's text. I ended up bailing out of the group. I couldn't do it. I told everybody, I can't do it. I started making all kinds of excuses. I said, I'll be there for you guys for support. I'll set up the stage. You know, I'll just, like, hang out with you guys. I can practice still in the garage, but just don't get me on the stage. Don't. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't do it. So I guess my pursuit to fame and being the diva was done. <laughs> God had other plans for me. So the two times I've been given an opportunity to share on stage, both times I felt scared. And don't let this body fool you, because inside there's a raging war going on. Okay? It's the kind of scary you feel, it's not the kind of scary you feel like when you're watching a spooky movie. You know, it's more like a, a panic attack. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but for me, I just get this sudden urge of anxiety building up in me, and I start getting afraid, I get scared, I start feeling flush, I can just feel the blood just going rushing through my head. And I hope I'm not red right now, because that's usually one of the signs <laughs> that it's getting the best of me. But I know God got my back. And that's why I'm still standing. Even though my heart pounds, I feel like I'm going crazy inside. I feel like I just want to run in the hole and hide. There are differences between the two. For me, I get too caught up worrying about the silliest things. I start listing all the things that could possibly go wrong being up here, you know, instead of focusing on what could be right. You know, my focus was not centered on where things And every time I get too worked up and worry too much, Kenny would always say, stop borrowing trouble. That's exactly what I do. I borrow trouble. I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> Well, here I am again, facing one of my giants, glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. But God has given me an opportunity to share. Because you know that gold nugget that we all have hidden in our hearts? We all have it. He wants to use it. God made that clear to me. And that's why I'm standing here before you as a testimony of God's love and his strength. To advance the kingdom. We live in a time of grace. We live in a time of the last days. You hear everything that's going on. I'm not here to try to because God is not a God that commands. I'm here to share. Because we all are here for a reason. Because we love God and we want to honor Him. But we have friends and family outside of these doors that need you. So you know that gold nugget that you got hidden in there? Anxieties, and this is found in the Amplified um, 
version of 1 Peter 5, 7, and cast all your worries and all your concerns once and for all. Cast it on me, he says, for I care about you with deepest affection and whatever, and, wa- and watches over you very carefully. You gotta believe that. You gotta take God's word to heart. He means it. If he says what he means, he means what he says. Or is it the other way around? Oh, well. Anyways, I was still unsure, though, going back to my, my story. So I went to Kenny, and I says, hey, look at, look at what Pastor Thomas sent me. And I'm showing him the text. I'm like, you know, and I'm trying to get, like, encouragement. But I think when I first told him, his reaction was like, you? <laughs> so I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, who am I, right? Who am I? <laughs> I remember turning away because I felt discouraged, and he became my problem. <laughs> no, but I knew I had to talk to God. I knew I had to go to the his throne. And I finally opened up to God, and I told him. And when I talked to God, I talked to God like how I talked to you guys. You know, we have that intimate relationship. It, and it wasn't always that way. It's always been like, Father God, Heavenly Mercy. Now it's like, Dad, I need you. I need you. So here I am, opening up my heart to you. And this is how I can be the rebellious child. <laughs> okay, God, what are you doing? I know I keep asking you to use me in a greater way, but this is not what I meant. That text that Pastor Thomas sent me, uh-uh, that ain't me. You know I'm the behind-the-scenes kind of person. Put me in the children's ministry. I'll set up. I'll break down. I'll bring food to potluck and cook. You know, I like to lay low. That's my comfort zone. That is. You know, I told God. I said, you know I'm afraid to sleep on stage. Please, give me something else to do. Sorry, it's just not me, God. Give it to my husband. He's comfortable being in front of the crowd and playing his guitar. You know, I was like... I found myself negotiating with God, the God, the creator. And I was scared. I was scared for what he was calling me to do. I didn't want that assignment. God gives us assignments. And we can't pick and choose. But if we don't take it, he's just going to find somebody else. And I've passed on so many assignments. But this one, somehow, it hit home. It hit home. God was trying to speak to me. I was kind of like being like Moses. You know the story of Moses when he was at the burning bush. He was like, here I am, Lord. Uh, But at the same time, when God says, I want you to represent the people of Israel, when I carry you through the wilderness, and the the excuses that Moses came up with, he's like, well, I can't speak. You know, it's like I heard he had like a stuttering problem, or he felt like he was a terrible public speaker, but God chose him, you know? said to me, I want you, Audrey. I want you. Oh, boy, that hit me hard. It hit me right down, smack in the middle and core to my heart. How are you going to argue with that? How are you going to argue with God? What if Mary, the mother of Jesus, acted like me? Think about it. At that very 
explain their price, and they're like, no lowballers. They don't want you to go under what they price, they, what they list on their, you know, for their item they're trying to sell. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to do with God. I was lowballing, lowballing God. You see, if you are saved and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. And this is an all-time favorite to a lot of Christians in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, For I know the plans I have for you. You, you, everyone. He has a plan for your life. He has plans for you to prosper, not harm you. He has plans to give you hope and a future. So after I was all prayed up, Kenny comes walking into the room, and he told me, Honey, you can kind of do this. He understood my I was the diva that walked off the stage. <laughs> no. But anyway, he said that I'm going to be here. So here I am standing before you, moving in the presence of the Lord to advance the kingdom of God, to share his word, to share my story in hopes to touch one of yours. So you can share your story and make an impact on somebody's life out there that needs to hear your story. There's people out there that need to hear your story, okay? But we need to move forward. We need to advance the kingdom. Get out of your comfort zone.
to you a little, bit, a little bit about this book. Esther is one of only two books named for women. You know who the other one's in? Who the other lady is? Ruth. That's right. Ruth and Esther. Here's something I found real interesting with my study of Esther. Is that in the book of Esther, God is not mentioned. Go ahead. Look it up yourself. I did. His name, his title, pronoun for God, it just it's not there. But you know what? Just because you don't see God, just because you don't hear God, that doesn't mean that he's not there. He's there. Just like how he was there in this story. God's presence is clear throughout this book. While well, mention Mordecai, which was the cousin of Esther, he expected a divine deliverance. You don't set, put your life on the line if you know that God ain't got your back. He had that faith. He knew God. He was the truth. So, so God was working behind the scenes in this story. That's my kind of guy. Behind the scenes. So the book begins with Queen Vashti. She was a She refused to obey an order from her husband, King Xerxes. He oversaw he over, he, 127 provinces. And to this modern day, it would stretch from Damascus, from Syria, all the way to modern Iran. He ruled the empire. That's how much ground that he actually ruled over. So you're talking big time, right? Um, she was banished, though, because she disobeyed to parade her beauty in front of all his nobles and his friends. You can read the story to go more into detail, but she was banished, and the search began for a new queen. And the king sent out a decree to get all the beautiful women in the empire and bring them into the royal harem, which is a room where they held all the women. So all these young, beautiful women were in there. It was kind of like a beauty pageant, and they had to go through a makeover, like we call it makeovers today, for one whole year. Can you imagine that, ladies? Somebody pampering you for one whole year, doing your hair, lotion your body, massage your body. Nah, that's diva status, right? <laughs> yeah, that's costly, but you know what? He was king. You know, money was not even an option. So they went through that for a whole year. And um, Esther, a Jewish young woman, was the one that he chose. Imagine how many women She was the one that he chose. The Bible says in Esther 2.7 that she had such a lovely figure. She was so beautiful. I mean, my goodness. It's hard to imagine, but she was very attractive, I believe. Uh, Mordecai, who is Esther's older cousin, when I did my study, I, some people even referred to him as 
that's his thumb. But, you know, go ahead. They're related. That's the main thing, right? They're related. Um, Mordecai took care of Esther when she was a child because she lost her parents. So she was an orphan girl, you know, and he raised her. He was like a leader. So he was a prominent man. I think he probably was a, a leader for the Jewish the people. He represented the Jews because a lot of the Jews were exiled from their country. And they all had the, um, the freedom to reign in Persia, you know, without being in bondage or anything. They was allowed to, you know, make their businesses and all that. So anyways, um, Mordecai... Um, was at the city gate, and when he heard two men trying to plot to kill the king, and so the king, he tells Esther about it, and Esther tells the king, and the king finds out, and they find out who these two men, and they put them on trial, and find out that these guys, it was true, that's what they're going to do, so they killed them, but Mordecai was never rewarded for it, you know, and it probably had something to do with Haman being the prime minister of the day, he was the second Mordecai refused that, and he was like, what? Okay, you know what? You go back and you tell her. 
tell her this, and that's the verse that where I got the passage to my the, the title to my story. It says, "For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this?" Then Esther told um, went back and he said, "Well, tell Mordecai then." Go, tell the Jews too. Fast for me, because she got it. Right when he got that, she got it. She goes, "Oh my goodness, that's right. I am a representative of God, and I need to do what's right." She was the queen, but her true original self, she was a believer in God, God's chosen people, and she knew that she had a duty, whether she could just. Stay in her queen status, or risk all that, and help to save the people. And she chose the latter. So they all fasted for three days, and then she said, "I'm going to go to the king. I know it's against the law, but if I perish, I perish." So Mordecai ran his way and did according to all that Esther. So Esther decided to risk her life to save her people. Esther asked King Xerxes and Haman to be the guests of her banquet, and during the feast, the king really wanted.、It. The king asked her what she wanted, and at the second banquet, she told the king what she desired. She asked him. That, she told him that there's someone that's trying to destroy my kingdom, and they're going to destroy him. And he said, "Who is that man?" Haman <laughs> was right in the room with her, and he was like, "What? No way! No one's gonna touch my girl." <laughs> so the king sentenced Haman to die on the pole, which is a gallow that、uh, was actually built for Mordecai. That he built for Mordecai. So it's the plot turn. You know, it, it was a twist and turn. What what, what Haman meant to use for Mordecai, but actually Haman ended up using for him. And while the king was reading. So in the final act of this true drama, Mordecai was appointed to Haman's position, and the Jews were guaranteed protection throughout the world. That is why she is my hero. That is why she is my hero of life. It was because Queen Esther's courageous act, a whole nation was saved. Seeing her God-given opportunity, she seized the moment. Her life made a difference. What about us? What about you? You can relate your life right into the story. Perhaps God has prepared for you to act in such a time as this. At this time, I'd like to introduce my husband on stage, and、um, he's going to sing a song called "For Such a Time as This" by Wayne Watson.
this song is based on Mordecai's words to Esther. And before I turn it over, I just want to ask that as this song is being played, that you take the time to reflect on your life, to examine your heart, and to allow God to speak to you in every 